Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks, where we talk to people who broke free of the corporate world shackles to start their own business. I'm your host, Neil Thompson, official corporate shackle breaker. You can find this podcast on my website, neilthompsonspeaks.com. You can also find it on iTunes or Stitcher. Please subscribe and share. I'm happy to have writer and editor Dr. Tyra Selden as our special guest today. Founder of the Selden Writing Group, she develops content for schools, websites, businesses, education companies, and nonprofit organizations. In her past life, she was an English professor, teaching several literature and writing courses, including business communication and research method courses. She doesn't hog all her knowledge to herself, though, as she often hosts webinars and community workshops for aspiring scholars and writers. I look forward to asking Dr. Selden about her journey to entrepreneurship, her strategies for landing clients, and her biggest mistake as a business owner. Hopefully, I have no grammar mistakes in this intro. <laughs> Let's bring her in now. Hello, Dr. Selden. Welcome to Neil Thompson Speaks. Hi. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thank you. First question, what was the last employee job you had before starting the Selden Group? Well, when I first launched my business, I actually launched it while I was still um, full-time, a full-time employee. Um, I was working for a, um, a charter school network, and so at the time, um, I realized that I really did not want to work for someone else full time, but I wasn't in a position to do my business exclusively. So for the first couple of years, it was a both and for me. I was fully employed and I was launching my business. So around um, 2011 was the last time. 2011. Okay. And at mm-hmm. what point did you decide, okay, now? I don't have to work for this charter school network anymore. I can start the Selden Writing Group job or business full-time. I had gotten to the point where I um, felt like my skills were being underutilized, and I knew there were other things that I wanted to do. And so for me, the final, like, um, you know, the final component of deciding to just go and trust the process was um, when I had an idea or concept for something and I shared it with the person who I um, reported to and then the person owned it as her own and took credit for it. And that was really an epiphany for me. And I realized that, okay, you know, if you're serious about doing this, then at some point you just have to take a leap of faith. There's never an ideal time per se. Um, you just have to do it and trust that you have the wherewithal to be successful at it. Well, I mean, when you first said uh, you were at this job and the person was taking credit for your work, it really brought me back to when I was working as an engineer. Not exactly the same kind of story, but in a similar vein, 
I would go to the, my boss with various ideas, and he would just shoot them down. He wouldn't even take them as his own. He would just say they, they weren't good ideas. And this happened, uh, you know, after after hearing that a number of times, you start thinking, man, okay, maybe I'll take my bad ideas and, and go off on my own and, and do something with them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, a, that's I guess that's exactly what I ended up doing. So 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 now you have the the Selden Writing Group. So what exactly does the Selden Writing Group do? What do you provide your clients? We are a full service writing and editing company. Um, I literally tell people that if it pertains to writing from the conceptualization stage all the way through a full manuscript, we can help you with the process. I have writers who will come to me at various stages, um, some of whom will say, you know, I have this book in my heart, and I just need help giving birth to it. And so we will walk them through the process, help them to articulate their ideas, help them to frame and give structure to what it is they believe they're supposed to write, um, in other instances, we ha- people will come to us and they'll have full manuscripts and they'll ask us either to do an evaluation, meaning that we go through it, we give them feedback, looking for areas that it could be improved, um, looking at it in terms of readability, alignment issues. Um, and then in other instances, people will come to us and they'll say, hey, can you copy your content edit this? So the emphasis isn't so much on the writing as much as it is on the presentation of their words and ideas. And um, another component of that is that we don't just specialize in one genre of writing. One of the things I found early on is that if I only focused on academic writing or curriculum writing, that that market um, in many ways was saturated and that the opportunities were just not as vast. And so I decided, okay, well, writing is writing. The rules of engagement for writing um, don't change in terms of, you know, grammar rules and structure mechanics, why not veer into other areas of writing? And so not only do we work in terms of curriculum writing and academic writing, but I also work with, you know, clients who are writing novels or who are doing, you know, essays or clients or, you know, books of essays or anthologies. We do business writing. Um, we do ghost writing. So I literally say we, we do the whole gamut as it relates to writing and editing um, because when you think about the written word, it is incredibly powerful. And so if we can help someone to literally write their dream into reality, then, you know, that's one of the greatest feelings there is. So we literally deal with writing on every level. Wow, that's, 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 a, that's a lot of writing, Dr. Selden. <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> it is a lot of writing. I have a team of wonderful people who assist what? in the process at various stages. Okay, that, that, that sounds great. So, I mean, before you started, obviously, before you started the Selden Writing Group, you must have had this interest in writing. I guess, it, it, does it go back to your childhood? Were you always a writer? You know what's interesting about that? And I share this story publicly because I know I'm not the only one. Um, I loved to write when I was younger. And it's funny because, um, you know, my mom and dad, they kept everything. So you, I literally can go back and look at things I wrote in kindergarten. Um, but, you know, um, so like, you know, like in grade school, fourth and fifth grade is when I really um, became interested because I was always the kind of child who daydreamed. I'm, a day, I'm still a daydreamer. Um, I love looking at things and just imagining, like, you know, what is the relationship or connection between people and things. And and one of the ways that I learned to do that was by describing them. And so I would write these very detailed, descriptive, imaginative 
stories that borderline on science fiction because sometimes they were just way out there. And so I went to a Catholic school, and I can honestly say some of my teachers didn't know exactly what to do with the writing that I, you know, composed. And so um, it was something I carried in my heart, but I didn't have the confidence to do it. So I went on, you know, undergrad. I majored in English, but with the expectation of, of teaching people how to write, not being a writer. Um, and so I really didn't come into my own as a writer until I was an adult. And part of that was born out of realizing that, wow, I have something to say. Um, and what I had to say was worthwhile. And so sometimes when I'm working with adult clients in particular, you know, I'll ask them, have you ever had an experience where someone either told you that you could not write or you had a negative experience with your writing um, and that's created some kind of blockage? Because so often with people, it's not a function of do you understand or can you master the English language is a function of do you have the confidence to actually articulate what it is you want to say for a public audience. And so I think for me, even though no one came out and said anything explicitly, there was a part of me that internalized this idea that my writing was so far-fetched that there was no place for it. And so it took a very long time for me to undo that. Oh, wow, interesting. When you mentioned that your parents saved a lot of your writing from when you were a child, I can attest to, mm-hmm. to that in, in my own life as well. One time I remember I was living, well, I was living here. I live in San Diego, and my mom came to visit, mm-hmm. and she brought a whole bunch of, I can't believe she saved all these things, all these bunch of things <laughs> that I wrote back, back when, I was, when I was a kid. Like one of, the, one of the stories I wrote when I was about 12, and I read it, and I just thought to myself, man, this, this, this isn't good at all. It's a good thing I didn't stop writing because of, of the writing I did when I was 12 years old. Because if, if so, then I would have I, I would have stopped. It, it, it was terrible. <laughs> but I guess I you know I kept with it. So I think you touched on this earlier, but you know one of the issues I think a lot of people that want to start businesses come across is the fear of leaving their jobs, the fear of what if this this whole business doesn't you know pan out. So in, in, in your own words, of course, how did you get, if, if you did feel that kind of fear, how did you get past it? Oh, I, I definitely felt that kind of fear. Um, there's still moments that fear creeps back in. Um, you know, there, there are times where I'm like, oh, gosh, should I, you know, should I be doing something else? Am I really doing, you know, is this really happening? Um, I mean, I think that's part of being human. I mean, we, we talk about um, success a lot, and we frame it along the lines of, like, everything is, you know, perfectly okay 100% of the time. Um, but that's not true. So often very successful people have to deal with doubt and have to deal with fear. It's just a function of how do you overcome it. And so for me, it, it really boiled down to what is the quality of life that you want, Tyra? I mean, I literally remember sitting on the couch one day. It was a beautiful day, and the natural light was, you know, beaming through the windows. And I looked outside, and I thought, okay, what does freedom feel like? Because I don't feel free. And, you know, being a a student of literature, I would always come back to Paul Lawrence Dunbar's poem, Sympathy, and that's the poem from which Maya Angelou derived the title, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. And part of the argument that Dunbar makes, and this is a post-Reconstruction poem, is that these birds are not singing because they're happy. These birds are not singing because they're joyful. These birds are singing because they know what freedom entails, and they don't have access to it. And I remember as clear, you know, as I do right now, this moment today, sitting on a couch and saying, okay, this isn't the life you want. What life do you want? And it was at that moment I knew no matter how afraid I was, 
no matter how inexperienced I was. I've never run a business before, um, no matter what the other, you know, potential um, roadblocks were going to be, I knew that it had to be better than what I was experiencing. So I literally just had to do a lot of positive self-talk, you know, remind myself that, you know, my greatness was not defined by brick and mortar or working for someone else, that, you know, the gifts that I had were God-given gifts and he gave them to me for a reason and not to be stifled. And so, you know, once I, I continued to have those kind of pep talks with myself and I learned about the intricacies of running a business, the fear started to dissipate. You know, it became less um, palpable. And I began to really operate and stand in confidence that you can do this. You can do this. And so sometimes I think for anyone who's listening, who's thinking in terms of, you know, I want to have my own business or, you know, I have these entrepreneurial skills or the spirit that's driving me to do this, um, you have to own the fact that, you know, um, it's okay to say I'm afraid or I'm scared or I don't know or this is the unknown. And so much of the journey is about faith. It really is about faith and trusting your gifts. Um, and I think once I got to that point, it became natural for me to say, okay, you know, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it well, the same vigor, the same excellence, the same um, you know, professionalism that I exuded for other people, I'm going to exude as a business owner. And I knew I was successful working for other people, so why wouldn't I be successful working for me? And that's how I really overcame it. Um, and, and it, you know, it works. You know, even now, like I mentioned earlier, when I have moments where I'm thinking, okay, you know, should you, you know, think about something else? Um, it's like, no, no, this is what you're supposed to do. Well, that's that's a really good way to think about it. I'm just writing that down. If you're successful working for others, why can't you be successful working for yourself? I think that's that's a that's a really good way to look at it. And you know, while you were talking, another thing I was thinking about is you know, people they have these these I guess misgivings about leaving jobs because they think that the life of an entrepreneur is a lot more risky. But it's it's not as if they're working at a company, especially in this day and age, isn't risky in and of itself. I mean, the days of, of being at a job and working there until you retire, those days are long gone. And frankly, I've, I've never lived those days, so I don't even know what they're like. It's more <laughs> likely that you're going to be switching jobs every few years anyway. And, you know, companies, one day you're an employee, the next day you're an ex-employee. So you're, I mean, right. at least when you're an entrepreneur, you have more control as, as, as opposed to when you're an employee. So hopefully people hear your answer and they don't think, or, or, or they do think that, you know, going into entrepreneurship isn't, or, or is is more risky than staying in a job because that's not necessarily the case. Mm-hmm. And I think if I can Another add question. to that, I think oh, the please. other thing that yeah, um, sure. I think drives that is that there's a, a level of hunger that you experience when you're an entrepreneur that you may not experience working for someone else because your paycheck more or less is guaranteed you're going to get paid every other week or on the 15th and 30th. But when you are responsible for your, you know, your own livelihood, there is, um, you know, there's a drive and there's a hunger that allows you to go out and you would be amazed. I think people are, that I know who've gone and done this, I'm not a risk taker. And sometimes people are taken aback by that. I'm very conservative. But when you are thinking in terms of, okay, you know what, I have these gifts, I want to use them. I have to be able to monetize them in order to sustain a certain quality of life. 
you'll be amazed what you're willing to go out and seek out and build relationships and connect with people um, in ways that, you know, you may not have done before. Like I have discovered talents I didn't know I had because I have to use them, and I didn't have to use them before. So, yes, there's an element of risk, but I think there's also an element of growth that you may not see in a traditional work setting because you may not have to use that particular skill set. Yeah, definitely. Another issue I think a lot of people who want to start businesses come across is, you know, back when you're an employee, unless you work as a salesperson, you're not responsible for bringing in clients. But as I'm sure you know, as an entrepreneur, you are responsible for bringing in the business. How in mm-hmm. your in your business, how do you how do you get clients? You know, I um, I tell people that one of the things that's incredibly important for me is that it doesn't feel like, oh, I could have gotten this done somewhere else. Um, And sometimes people, you know, they'll think, "Uh uh-huh, you're right, everyone says that. But I treat every client's work as if it's my own. And what I mean by that is that writing is such an intimate exercise because, in essence, what a person is doing is they are putting their feelings, their ideas on paper, right, and it's intended for public consumption. And so when someone's willing to take that risk and to pour themselves into a project, then for me as an editor, let's say, or even as a writer, depending on what capacity I'm serving in, I have to think in terms of what is it that this client really needs from me? Okay, they may come in and say, oh, we need copy or content editing. And they'll get that, right? They get what they pay for. But then there have been instances where I've noticed things that I thought might make a text better or something that I thought took away from the text. And I would share that. And I think it's that added touch of someone who deeply cares about the written word and deeply cares about her clients being successful that has given me an advantage. And so what tends to happen is that the overwhelming majority of my clients come through word of mouth. Um, We've been very successful with clients who will come back for multiple projects, Um, In a couple of instances, um, we're on retainer for some clients where we do all of their content development. And, again, I I think it goes back to, you know, is it high-quality work? Is it something that I'm proud of as a participant in that process? Um, Have I built a relationship with my client? And the irony is I've never met most of my clients. Like almost everything that we've done is done electronically. So I have to make sure that they're able to get a sense of who I am. And oftentimes it's exchanges via email or phone calls for them to know that they can trust me because that's incredibly important as well. Um, when someone's sharing something, let's say they've worked on a book for the last year or two, and they're allowing you to read that, and perhaps you're the first person outside of their inner circle to read that, you know, that's a, that's a level of trust um, to say, hey, you know, what do you think or can you give me feedback on this? And so I don't take that lightly. I take that very seriously. And because of that, people have been inclined to then share and refer other people our way. Um, and I'm incredibly thankful for that because I didn't anticipate that. I didn't anticipate that at all. But I think that speaks volume to the care that we put into the work that we do. Do you do any advertising at all? I know you mentioned you word of mouth and return business is how you get a lot of your mm-hmm. business, but do you do any type of advertising? And if so, how successful has that been? Um, I have a page for um, Selden Writing Group, LLC. Um, I have been playing around with getting a website. I, I will. 
Um, so it's not a, a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. Um, I do know that having a web presence, a very solid web presence, would drive even more traffic to us. Um, so I do think that is something that's in the future. In terms of the advertising that we do on um, Facebook, I look at that page um, as being basically serving a couple of purposes. One, obviously, you know, I want people to know that we exist. I want to share, you know, success stories of our clients, and oftentimes I'll, you know, post testimonials. But I also want to give people information. One of the things that I find is that people love to, to, to be in the know. They want to know, right? So what are, what are the newest trends in terms of writing? Where can I find information about writing? Where can I learn more about grammar? What are some tips that I need to, you know, start implementing in my writing? And so I don't – it's not a business page in a traditional sense that I'm even selling our services explicitly. It's that, you know, I want people to, to, to get better at what they're trying to do. And in the meanwhile, I'm also letting them know and selling our services. And so I think that goes with my personality. I mean, I love the intro that you, you read and that you used to advertise this because so much of this obviously is about being a business, but I also feel a very strong commitment to giving back um, and making sure that, you know, people have access because um, when we talk about literacy, we know there are communities that are vulnerable and don't have access. So even in the capacity of my business marketing page, there's still an element of giving back on there as well. Mm, yeah, that, that sounds great. One issue, another issue, I guess, of, of people that want to start their own businesses have to come across, have to come deal with, even people that are in business and currently deal with, is kind of the ebbs and flows of business. There are times where things mm-hmm. are going really well and, a lot of businesses coming in, but then there's also times when it's not so much. It's more of a trickle and, and not as much of a downpour. So in your, in your, I guess, six years now of being in business, how have you gotten through any sort of lean times that you've experienced? Can I just say amen to what you just said? Um, yes, that I didn't expect that. I mean, again, um, there's certain things that I had to do a do-over. I would have done a little bit more research about those lean times. Um, oh, gosh, you know, um, there's something to be said about perseverance and tenacity um, as um, positioning you to get through those lean times. Lean times are real. Um, I don't care how successful you are. Um, I don't care how, what your capacity is, um, you know, your cash flow. Um, in businesses, especially, you know, in my, in my case where it's uh, fee-for-service, um, if you don't have people who are inquiring about your services or who are, you know, contracting with you for your services, then you're potentially going to have lean moments. And so um, that's realistic. And I don't, you know, I think some people get discouraged and they think that's a reflection of their ability to be a business owner or to be an entrepreneur. And that's not true. Um, what I've learned to do is to gauge, you know, some seasons are more productive than others. Um, there, you know, for example, um, I do a lot of dissertation editing, um, as well as serving as a writing coach for some dissertation clients. And so, you know, I, I kind of have a gauge of, okay, you know, this is going to pick around, you know, this quarter and it's going to drop back down. And so what I can do is I can anticipate, okay, if this is going to drop down, then we need to be able to, you know, supplement, um, the, the profits that were coming in from that with something else that maybe isn't as quote-unquote seasonal. Um, so I think the, the critical thing is to have a reserve 
and to make sure that you literally use that reserve for that purpose, um, that you're not like, okay, I have all this extra money because this was a great month, and I'm going to go out and, you know, go buy a new purse or go out and, you know, go get something that you don't really need. But you think, you're thinking, you know, in terms of, okay, that money or that reserve is there for a purpose because, you know, this month might have been phenomenal, but next month I may make, you know, only a percentage of what I made this month, um, but I have to keep going. I have to look at it longitudinally. I can't look at it in terms of, you know, oh, this is an indication of what the rest of this is going to be like. I quit. You know, I'm not going to do this. And I think for me, um, part of what I had to do is the same research skills that I used, you know, getting my doctorate and, you know, being in graduate school and the like, I now apply it also to being a business owner. And it actually even has opened up new opportunities for writing. You know, I'm thinking, okay, well, where, what, where is this industry going? You know, where, where are the hot spots with this? Um, where should I potentially be reaching out to people or networking with people in terms of thinking about, okay, what types of editing jobs can we position ourselves to get that maybe right now we're not thinking about? So I think you have to be strategic. I think you have to plan, and I think you have to save because, you know, those lean moments will come and just see them as being just that moment. They're moments in time. They're not indicators of your, you know, your future per se if you plan strategically and to just push through them because I see so many people who quit and who give up and they're on the cusp of their own greatness and they don't even see it because they're thinking myopically. So that would be the thing to think about, you know, for those people, again, who are either, you know, doing this or thinking about doing it, um, you know, lean times will come. And the key thing is to just be prepared for them. Absolutely. So you've been in business, as you said, since 2011. That's about about six years now. In the time that you've been in business, what has been your biggest, uh, I guess, your biggest mistake that you've made or or the, the one lessons learned that you'd like to share? I think that I um, it took me too long to really seek out the help of other people. I I I think in some ways, and, and I'm being you know honest, that I was a little too arrogant when I first started. And my assumption was, okay, I have this terminal degree. You know, I taught English for all these years. I've done a lot of K through 12 work. If you build it, they will come. And that didn't necessarily <laughs> happen at first. I mean, seriously, it, it didn't happen at first. But keep in mind, I had the safety net of I was still working for someone else full time. And so I didn't have to rely exclusively on my business for sustainability purposes. And so I think what I had a tendency to do was to try to figure it out on my own. Um, And then I think I started reading and, and studying more about entrepreneurship and small business ownership. And I realized that oftentimes, a person is the face of that business, but they have teams of people who are working um, with them that help to propel their success. And so I started reaching out, you know, um, to people who I knew who had successful businesses, asking questions. You know, I started taking a deeper dive into looking at what makes, you know, one business successful as opposed to another business successful. What are the traits of good leaders? What are people reading? So I had to really um, rethink my approach to this as opposed to seeing this as, oh, Tyra, and, you know, Tyra can do this, as opposed to, okay, Tyra needs a team, and Tyra's team is a critical part of the success of, you know, Selden Writing Group, LLC, 
Um, so I think, you know, even if you're doing something as a sole proprietor, you still want to be mindful of the fact that, you know, you want a good accountant. You want to have people who have experience in business that you can go to as coaches, as mentors, as consultants. Um, you know, I've never taken a business class in my life. I taught business communication classes, but I've personally never taken a business class. So there are things, nuances about running a business that I don't have any firsthand experience with. And, but I have friends who have MBAs. I have friends who are serial entrepreneurs. I have friends who have launched successful businesses. And so those people then become resources. Um, and then I was fortunate enough, I also even had an opportunity to work with a venture capitalist out of California, actually, um, and was a part of a content development team for an ed tech company. So I went in specifically to perform um, one set of functions or jobs in terms of developing content, but I, I, I paid attention because I wanted to know, you know, how is it that this person is able to be a serial entrepreneur with great success, you know. So I think once I opened my eyes to the fact that no one is really successful in isolation, it helped me to realize that there's nothing wrong with saying I need help. Um, because my biggest mistake early on was not asking for help and trying to do it all by myself. You know, you're you're absolutely right when you say that, Dr. Selden. I, I've actually made the same mistake myself. If you build it, they will come. I could do this all by myself. Mm-hmm. I realize now that I could have saved so much time if you just by hiring out some, you know, some of the some mm-hmm. of the, the, the tasks that I needed to do. And you know, you do that, then you can make money a lot more quickly. It's just a lot of times people just think the upcut the up front costs are, are too are too prohibitive but it really it can sometimes work out to be cheaper in the in the end and uh yeah I, mm-hmm. I definitely felt that as well. This has all been really this has all been really great, Dr. Selden. Uh thank you again for calling in to the to the podcast. How can people find you? Um they can find me on Facebook, Tyra Selden. Um they can find my business Selden Writing Group L L C also on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can email me. I, I do respond to my emails. I love getting emails. Um, so I can be emailed at seldenwritinggroup at hotmail.com, seldenwritinggroup at hotmail.com. And if you don't mind, Neil, before we go, I just have to shout out. I have a group of um, individuals that I commune with on Facebook. We're a writing group, and um, they've been incredibly supportive throughout this journey. So I promise them a shout out. So a shout out to my writing village, and I hope they're listening. And thank you, thank you so much for having me on your platform. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So for those who are listening, Selden Writing Group at hotmail.com. That's how you can get in touch with Dr. Selden. Again, Dr. Selden, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, and I appreciate it. Have a great evening. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody, that marks the end of another episode of Neil Thompson Speaks. I hope you enjoyed it. To learn more about me and Neil Thompson Speaks, please visit neilthompsonspeaks.com, N-E-I-L-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. You can also check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. There are links from my website to those social media platforms in addition to a link to this podcast episode. Until next time, please, take care.